Hi, welcome to the Pain and Pride Quarterly Slush Pile. My name is Kathleen Volk Miller, and I would like to tell you that we do this because we sometimes get complaints about how long we hold people's work. In fact, we had an amazing reading the other night, one of our most packed ever, I think, at the Black Sheep. Thank you, Paul Siegel, for putting that together. And um, and it reminded me of the, when I very first joined PBQ, how I loved going to Philly readings and starting to learn about that world. And once people learned that I was a PBQ person, people would come up to me at those readings and say, hey, where's my work? And uh, that happened to me on Monday. And um, so I handed him a slush pile sticker. And I said, you need to know how much we care about your work. I know you're feeling like we're neglecting you, but it's really that we take a lot of time and care with each and every um, submission that comes to us. So uh, we make this podcast, which is basically us having an editorial meeting uh, to answer those questions of what happens once you press submit on a poem. This is what happens. Um, So I'm a director of the graduate program in publishing and an essayist and here in the sound studio in Philadelphia with four very good looking gentlemen. (laughs) Ryan on the sound, Tim on the bass. Oh, wait, no. We were talking about music so much. You know what? I'm going to keep the mic for another second because I just have to tell everybody what happened. So I walk in here and I go, Ali, do you smoke cigarettes? And I've never known. And I knew that John didn't. I just knew that could not be true of John. And I don't know. I still don't know if it's true of Ryan. But the studio smelled like cigarettes, and we were trying to figure it out. And he's shaking his head no now. And then I sat down in my chair, and I realized that today is the 10-year anniversary of my quitting cigarettes. Oh, wow. Isn't that a strange phenomenon? I think I think it was meant to just remind me to celebrate that. You know what I mean? To just be aware of that today and be so, because I really have been so grateful. Um, Anybody out there who smokes, go get hypnotized and see what happens. It might work for you. And now, on my left, Tim Fitz. Hi, my name is Tim Fitz, and uh, I teach here at Drexel University. And I'm the author of two short story collections, Go Home and Cry for Yourselves, as well as Hypothermia. And a story single on Amazon called Sand on Sand Yellow. I've been uh, at, uh, reading with Painted Bride for about five years, and sitting to my left is John Wall Barger. Thanks, Tim. I'm John Wall Barger. Um, I have three books of poems, Pain Proof Men, um, Festus, and Hummingbird, and I have a new book out next spring called The Mean Game. Um, I've been in the city for about a year and have been lucky enough to read with Painted Bride Quarterly for almost a year. Woohoo! Yeah. Been lucky enough to have ya. And uh, I am Ollie Ziabash. I am Kathleen's uh, co op currently here at uh, Drexel Publishing Group and Painted Bride Quarterly. And I am very happy to be here with all of you. Yay! Marion, tell everybody where you are now. Marion. From a living room in North Carolina. I'm in a little town called Kannapolis, um, where my sister, the professional psychic, Mary Beth Len, um, lives. And I'm visiting her and trying to convince my little old mother um, to move on down here. And she's close, right? She likes to sit on the porch and wear floppy hats and drink sweet tea. Um, so we're hoping that she'll, she'll move on down here. But what a great adventure to uh, be moving around the world and winding up your feet. 
in the heart of North Carolina. Um, <laughs> it's away from an Amtrak station. So glad to be here with y'all. <laughs> uh, what did you say? How many block? what away from an Amtrak station? Two blocks away from an Amtrak station. Oh. So if it's too stressful, I'm just jumping on that train right back to Philly. <laughs> oh, I got you. I got you. I wondered why you included that. And I'm also wondering, are you really telling a fib right now that your mom was drinking sweet tea that wasn't prison whiskey? In the photo you sent me? That's right. So there's a whiskey distillery down here that's um, housed in an old prison. And they call it prison whiskey. So I'm I'm hoping to go on a tour and uh, taste that contraband sometime soon. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, bring that some, bring that up. We'll do it on the next podcast in the studio together. <laughs> do shots of prison whiskey before we start. Um, this is sort of it's not really prison like. I mean, it's just it's just we have no windows, but I think I'm used to that in my office. There's insulation all over the walls. It's kind of cozy. I, I like being in here. <laughs> The cozy prison of the basement. It's a cozy prison. Cozy basement prison. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think I could stare at the walls for long times. Um, All right. So today we have two poems by Susan Grimm. And and I guess we should go ahead and hop on in. I'm wondering if I might voluntold John. I'm still getting used to John being here. He feels like a special guest. Yay. I'm uh, reading the first one. Would you like to? Sure. Okay. We could bullshit about something else for a minute while you no. get in the right headspace. You okay? Yeah. All right, cool. Made Manifest Glassy by Susan Grimm. Nanny cam, traffic cam, bank machine eye, facial recognition software. I imagine being watched, which I don't have to imagine. Facebook's old photos. Look at that hair. Avatars which used to mean gods, maybe sitting on lily pads. By the supreme power of my two-legged presence, or two thumbs. Maps in the front of books or the glove compartment where there are no gloves. Every time the left hand turn off of Clifton like a disappointed hummingbird. Peacock eye. I have my eye on you. Dream scraps and visualate the movie of my intention. Daisies. Nipples. There is you and the you you say you are. Potato eye gouged out. Eyedropper. Eye land. My stories are not about you. The small window high up like a letterbox to peer through. Somewhere a crumpet of light. Okie dokie. Thank you so much. Great reading, John. Great reading. No prep. (laughs) Thanks. So I'm loving Invigilate. (laughs) And I thought you would love Nipples. Nipples and And, Hummingbirds. Yep, and the Hummingbirds and a Crumpet of Light. Right, right, right. right. But dream scraps invigilate the movie of my intention. Yes. So much nonsense, but is also so in keeping with the kind of surveillance quality Mm -hmm. of of the the whole sort of web work of images. Yeah. By the supreme power of my two-legged presence. Mm -hmm. I really like that, too. Um, You know, so much of this is about what's, what's contemporary. But I was I was digging the juxtaposition of things like really the first time I read this it actually made me think glove compartment with no gloves, that's true. Like I never that is a word that we're still using, right? Glove compartment, 
but even even we, even somebody as old as I am, nobody really ever kept gloves in their glove compartment, did they? So, like, there's something about the old school, new school maps and and island, you know, that I was kind of digging to. A letterbox. You know, we've got new words, like avatar. I guess that's what I'm saying. We have new words that have only been created in the past 20 years, and then very old words that we never hear anymore, like letterbox. Yeah, there's something about the um, being human which drags the very old into the very new, like uh, by the supreme power of my two-legged presence or two thumbs. It's mm-hmm. like how strange it is to be an animal in this world of, like you say, surveillance and eyes. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Even um, Facebook's old photos, I guess, coming early like that. That's what maybe put me in the mind of this juxtaposition between nostalgia and what's new, right? The fact is, Facebook has been around long enough that we can laugh at our hair. And that in itself is <laughs> kind of amazing, right? We don't have to look at old high school yearbooks. Which is why I also really love, you know, after the supreme power of my two-legged presence or two thumbs, right? So it's like this being animal, right? The opposable thumb, but it's also the two thumbs on your cell phone, right? As your your way of communicating for so long, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, and I'm thinking just about the way that we, we now use our phones for everything, right? All sure. forms of communication, but really it's with those two thumbs. So I love this sort of juxtaposition of, of the technological and the bodily, the animal, and the and that paranoid sense of, of permanent surveillance. Um, but I have a question, y'all. What? And I keep saying y'all. That's really y'all. funny. How come the title's <laughs> made manifest glassy? What do you what do you make of that title? The glassy I connected with eyes. Hmm. And I connected with all the devices, with eyes and devices. You know, cool. and made manifest is like to come into being, right? So maybe uh, humans have come into being out of the old world, and you know we now live in this strange technological space, something like that. When I talk uh, in my creative writing classes about images, I. Well, we try to talk about what images, what types of Im- images, uh, sensory images, radiate truth, and how truth radiates differently uh, depending on its sound or sight. But the writer doesn't have any uh, business necessarily with what the reader's interpretation is. That's the reader's job. And I find it so interesting with this poem. When I read this poem, I think of everything pre-9-11 it, you know, being horrified at all of the cameras and all of the documentation of every little thing. But I'm, I'd be curious this year if, to teach this poem and to see if what the reaction is of my students, because every time I talk about being watched, they don't understand what the problem is. They think, well, that's just what happens. You go outside sure. and everything's tracked. Sure, of course. Um, and that's how everything is easy. And that's how everything is safe. And they're totally different worlds. I, I love that how a poem like this can have such distinct meanings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I might be wrong. I don't mean to make any assumptions, but I this seems to have a 
sense of retrospect to it, like somebody, like the poet, grew up with uh, rotary phones or something like yeah. that. It's like a thinking back to way pre nine eleven, which uh, I mean, does that make it a niche kind of thing? Is it only appropriate to those of us who remember rotary phones? Ali, <laughs> <laughs> it might. I mean, I yeah. Feel let's like, have our youngest person <laughs> chime in. I feel like. The, <laughs> I wonder what Susan Grimm's, like, what generation she's from. Um, uh, I imagine she might be, like, around my age, having been... I feel like my generation's the last one to have have experienced this transition from a no technological background where you're kind of, like, going outside with your friends every day into, like, the smartphone era where everybody is glued to their phones. Yeah, you were just talking about that the other day in the office. That right now we're experiencing the last of the people that like, oh, I don't do, I don't do email on my phone or, or whatever. Or I don't have a phone, right? This is, we're in the last gasp of that mm. for sure. Yeah, 20 years from now, everybody will be completely technological literate, you know, right. at least Born to a point to use yeah. their phones to contact people, etc. Yeah. So that's interesting too. So you're putting the, the speaker here sounds like mm. somebody who did grow up with mm-hmm. technology to you. Why? Because there's a clear transition between, like, you have this, you're being watched, and and all of that kind of developed over the last 15 years or so. Mm -hmm. You didn't really have the the prevalence of you run a red light and you get a ticket in the mail until recently. Right. Amen. Amen. (laughs) God. Great use of technology. I was driving to D.C. last year. I made killer time from Philly to Florida. (laughs) And I specifically don't go 15 miles an hour over because I got kids in the car and I just don't want to be too much of a douche on the road. I must have been over a nanosecond and they got me. And I came home to a $140 or something dollar ticket. Yeah. I was pissed. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I don't want to digress. <laughs> yeah. Extremely yeah. true in Abu Dhabi as well, right? All of that, you know, you run a red light, you speed, all of it being charged and attached to your credit card before you even realize, right, what's hit you if you rent a car in Abu Dhabi. Um, but I want to come back to what Ali and John were saying a little bit about the nostalgia um, or the or that the, the sort of um, that tone of... of nostalgic change, right? And I can totally see it um, in, in the line, in the second stanza, look at, the, look at that hair, avatars which used to mean gods, right? So it's like you've got the used to on the line break and the next stanza, what did it used to mean? It used to mean gods, but no longer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a little bit further down, that, that weirdly um, difficult line to say, every time the left hand turn off of Clinton, mm-hmm. like a disappointed hummingbird, and you've got that, like it's almost like sense and nonsense, right? Like a disappoint what does a disappointed hummingbird look like, right? But it, it makes it makes it kind of true, right? Mm-hmm. And then the last bit, right? The small window fall up like a letterbox to peer through somewhere a trumpet of light. Feels like a kind of um, a longing and a desire and a kind of hopefulness in the face of all of that um, that web work of technological surveillance that the, the old forms of sticking a letter in a letterbox, right, possess a kind of light. That last little line there is, I really like it. Somewhere a crumpet of light, and I can't really wrap my head around it, but I something I, uh, the light seems to evoke some kind of strange future eye to me. I don't know where you guys are going with it, but I, I enjoy it. 
Mm-hmm. Crumpet. It's kind of like the unknown future in a way, right? Crumpet. Yeah, it's but the, and that's the past too, isn't phrased, it? Yeah. Crumpet mm-hmm. is like old British, I think. With that's what I'm saying. That's another age. word we never use. When have you yeah. used the word crumpet? You know, it's like letterbox. Yeah. And even even daisies, nipples, like those are things we still all know <laughs> that are still here. We experience yeah. the same way. They're and they're you know we don't even think about them, right? There's they're as uh, ubiquitous as our phones. And being surveyed. Can I jump in and say how beautiful it is that we do this poem after Kathy's opening story about um, why we do this, right? So here we are in the technological future, sort of linked up and zooming to each other and communicating over these lines and these these different forms of media. But we are rocking some old school, careful reading here, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. This feels like a crumpet. You know, like we are engaging <laughs> some, some, some schooled practices here that allow us to keep doing it old style, even in the new, right? Even Sitting the down with pieces of paper. I have a piece of paper in my hands. How old school is that? <laughs> can I can I shift to the language of the poem briefly? Um, sure. I, if I could just say, I feel like the language is weak in places. But I'll say that when I read it, it kind of came out naturally, and I liked the way that it sounded. Like, I, you know, you can tell if the language of a poem is working when you read it out loud, and I felt like it came out okay. But if I just point out a few what I feel like are kind of weak places, like I like how it starts, nanny cam, traffic cam, bank machine, eye, facial recognition. I feel like there's a kind of a machine gun, staccato thing going there. Software, to me, is like the first word that kind of goes boink. Facial recognition software. I don't think we need that word. I think we're already in that space. Mm-hmm. And then imagine. I imagine being watched, which I don't have to imagine. There's a repeti- There's an aphora there, repetition. But the word imagine, I don't know if it can carry that. And then avatars, which used to mean gods, maybe sitting on lily pads. That, to me, is getting a little... To me, it's. I like the idea of it, but mm-hmm. it's maybe too much James Cameron in my head and uh, just a little... Mm-hmm. I don't know, but as I say, when I read it, all of these parts seemed to click along in a way that I was satisfied with. Uh, you know, I, I have to agree too, because when I read it on the page, I didn't all the way love it, but listening to you perform the poem, you caught the music in this in a really um, you know, pleasurable way. So you're saying maybe just like clip some of it, right? <laughs> clip, clip the surgeon, the surgeon. Clip the uh, sitting on the lily pads. Keep, um, which used to mean gods, but then maybe sitting on li- lily pads can go. Well, the whole first oh. half to me seems a little like there's some extra words, even where there are no gloves. Maps in the front of books or the glove compartment where there are no gloves. To me, it sounds a little bit like extra. But I love Invigilate. <laughs> in fact, the whole second half of the poem, I feel like, clicks maybe a little better. Like, it has a little bit of, teeny bit of trouble getting going in the first half. You know what? I found, I think that she was repeating that pattern that you're pointing out through, and there's an intention and a craft to it. Because even the line, there's you and the you you say you are, 
is the same kind of pattern. There's this and there's that. Mm. There's this and there's that. There's that. That's what she's doing with those other lines as well. So it, it kind of was meditative for me in a, in a good way. And um, I like the lily pads. I mean, I don't know. I do think instantly of Nick Virgilio's haiku. And I think of all those paintings of lily pads and it, there's just a calmness and a and a and again to a I don't want to say ancientness but the old and the new again <clears throat> like avatars I do picture James Cameron avatar and now I picture it sitting on a lily pad and the incongruity of that is kind of awesome yeah that might have been her atten- intention she might have had James Cameron in the Maybe. mix I think it fits I don't know, when you say avatars, you know, that's even our bitmojis, right? And our mm-hmm. avatars are any animated self, right? And avatar, the blue people. Well, it's also the physiological manifestation of a god. Right, right. It's been dumbed down to yeah. a little thumbnail. <laughs> that's obscene. Now, I, love, I, I mean, that meaning that she's getting across here is so important to the poem that... Um, you know, if you have to have them sitting on the lily pad, then you do. I now that John brings it up, I I don't really love that that little moment, but I don't. It doesn't bother me enough because really that 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 obscenity has overtaken my like sensibilities about language at that point. Well, uh, to me, it seems like in the first half there's a almost a, an attempt to develop voice. Like the uh, maybe sitting on lily pads, and then I imagine, I imagine, to me, and where there are no gloves, to me sounds like a voice. But then in the second half, there's not that, but it seems to click and work musically to me even better. I, I don't think it's a big weakness at all. I do mm-hmm. like this poem. Mm-hmm. Are we missing anything? Should we discuss? Do we need to uncover what? Her intentions are dream scraps invigilate the movie of my intention. My stories are not about you. Like any of the address, any of the uh, like literal action of the speaker. Let's say, do we need to interpret what the intention is? There's you and the you you say you are. My stories are not about you. That second person is kind of interesting, isn't it? Yeah, but as I mean, we weed out everything else and just look at that direct address is there something we have missed i have my eye on you because the you is not developed i think of it as a collective okay like a general collective Uh, there's you and the you you say you are one of my it's probably my second favorite part because of the two different realities that we live now and how that second reality affects us so deeply Mm -hmm. um like the you, you say you are is Facebook. Yeah, yeah Instagram, I mean, just, Twitter. You, right. When you see people's pictures and their vacations and then how that affects your mood, whether you right. like, whether you believe in all that stuff or not, it still either makes you happy or brings you down artificially and has no relationship to reality at all. Yeah. You know, the other day I was talking to a woman who said, and I, I just it just really <clears throat> struck me, she was going through a divorce three or four years ago and got off Facebook because everybody else was so happy. And she said Mm. she knew they really weren't. She knew they were only showing they're happy, but she just couldn't 
bear witness to everybody else being so happy and got off Facebook. You know, logic yeah, logic did not prevail. <laughs> and that's what that sorry. the acronym SOMO, right? Fear of missing out is actually in the OED now, right? Yeah, and, that would be. Some people have that terrible experience when you're on Facebook and thinking the party's elsewhere and not with you ever, right? Mm-hmm. And you're always missing out on um on the you know, the joy. Listen, I just wanted to come back to the language and something that Kathy pointed out earlier, which is like this windshield wiper effect, right? So I imagine being watched, line break, which I don't have to imagine, feels like it's um, setting the pace, right? So maybe it's not like the strongest, most crisp language, but I think Kathy's right is it in that it sets the rhythm or the pace of this, if not this, then this. And it gets caught again. Like it actually shows up in the line that, that Tim just pointed out that he loved. There's you and the you, you say you are, line break, I, right? It goes from you to I, potato eye gouged out, eyedropper, island, right? So I even see that that windshield wiper effect there in a really beautiful way that reminds me of, or it gets me to trust the craft of this piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the repetitions toward the beginning are kind of maybe disarming. Right. Like they're not so mm-hmm. they're not so sharp, but they don't need to be. But then I agree. This there's you and you. You say you are is is sharp. I like. Yeah, it. I think it's intention, not sloppiness, in all of Absolutely. those back and forth. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Shall we? <laughs> all right. Uh, one, two, three. Vote. It's unanimous. Woohoo! Thank you, Susan Grimm. All right. Wonderful. Thank you for that conversation, everybody. Marion, can I voluntold you? You can voluntold me. All right. From my little crumpet of light here in North Carolina, (laughs) I will read to you Fest of Wishes, a birthday guzzle by Susan Grimm. Obdurate leaning pine, rough barked, this witch's wooden prism. The organs damp, high-colored, like sequestered caves, my best wishes. Wet, red fist. The heart grown larger like a pearl, a bird that strains at the top of the ribs, breaks from the chest like a zest of wishes. Each day, like a caught breath, a love blow. There can never be enough, gasping, swollen, luminous, arrested by wishes. Trolling for the unobserved, road smoke, a gravel pit of years, the caution tape, that clean bird not yet bested by wishes, that it should go on, the moon riding above me like a promise in the sky, a milky penny fitted to its slot, the rest of my wishes. Thank you. Thanks. Well, that was fun to read. Uh, yeah, you sounded wonderful, too. It, looks, it sounded fun to read. I love the title. I, um, I And the idea of that throughout, like, a birthday gozzle. So many weird, surprising images. A milky penny. What is a world? I can't even... What is a milky penny? <laughs> Covered in milk? So I'm going to borrow from the Tim Fitz School of Radiant Images and say Mm -hmm. that, boy, if you linger on a milky penny for a second, if that's not the best dang description of a moon, right? Like you you get the sense of like, um, you know, the the face of the penny, right? Yeah. 
for yeah. coming through the metal like that that's a you know that wow <laughs> imagine a penny made of milk and that gives you the face of the moon yeah that's yeah, that's true or covered on milk then it would look like the dark shadows of the moon totally very cool yeah it kind of glitters this is it fair to talk about the other poem in by contrast we've already read it right yeah out loud um, I, to me, there, this has some of the really neat language of the other poem, like the way the other poem, the whole second half of the other poem. And it starts really well, I think. Obdurate leaning pine, rough bark, this witch's wooden prism, the organ's damp. Like, I really love the language in so much of this. But then, I can't get on board with all these wishes. <laughs> a zest of wishes. I'm sorry, my best wishes. It's, it, to me, that's very oddly binary, this poem. A fest of wishes in the title, I can kind of get on board with it. The fest is a, a neat usage, but then it rhymes, then it, to me, it ruins a little bit. A zest of wishes, which might have surprise, if not for the title. But then the word wishes, especially as connected to a birthday, it's so heavily trodden ground that you have to just be so careful and I don't think the poet is being careful here, which is so surprising to me because the rest is such fresh language overall, but all this repetition of wishes, I just cannot. Well, you know, it's the form, right? So but I don't like this word wishes the word as wishes. the word that has okay. been chosen. I, I love the middle stanza, number three. Each day like a caught breath, a love blow. There can never be enough. Gasping, swollen, luminous, arrested by wishes. Yeah. Oh, it's just beautiful. I don't know, the repetition of the, I don't know, how did others feel? Was wishes not a good word for the repeating yeah, word? I, 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 yeah, I kind of hate the word wishes. <laughs> <laughs> gonna have to agree there. Yeah. What the but fuck? I love, wrong with I mean, all of you? But, but which is I, it's odd because I love so many of. The, I mean, wet red fist to me is, I, it's beautiful. Oh, I mean, it's amazing. The heart grown the, larger like a, like a pearl. Yeah, yeah. And the wishes, and you're like, you know, <laughs> for me, it's it brings me down out of out of that, which it's like everything to the left of whatever by wishes turns me on and then that and then I'm back to zero. Mm. I that's exactly I, I my, just allowed the rhyme, I allowed the form, zest of wishes, arrested by wishes, bested by wishes, the rest of my wishes. If wishes didn't beautiful bother, to if, me. If wishes didn't bother me so much, I'd be right there with you. <laughs> I, you know, I have the luck of reading the thing out loud and I have to tell you, right, like fest of wishes, sequestered, wet red fist, right? Like the chest, like a zest. I mean She's having so much fun, yeah. like just the sibilance and the and the and the even even there and gasping, swollen, arrested by wish. Like she's just playing with the sound in my mouth, mm -hmm. almost more than with the clunk of wishes at the end of the line. Right? Like I, I get it if you're reading it on the page where that might be too much to ask, but. I think you should all read it out loud. Ready? On three. <laughs> that's, on three. <laughs> that's why I wanted to read that each day stanza. I wanted to say that yep. aloud myself because it's so beautiful. And and hearing you read it made me want to say it myself. And I, I don't see wishes as a clunk. Wishes are kind of the word itself if we don't think about it. It's a meeting. There's, it's, there's a driftiness that I like. There's a pleasure. Wishes. 
Well, if the swish, if the language was not so fresh in the rest of it, like I, it just, I don't know. To me, it's a word like hope. Like it's just so over you. It's so hallmarky, hallmark card that, and there's just such originality to the rest of the language that I think you need to bring a kind of you need to defamiliarize such a such a, a hallmark cardy kind of a word i think can't they i don't know i'm going to totally argue with you that the opposite is then true if everything to the left is so fresh and fierce then can't wishes work with that can't that you know to to use a word that is a much used word but i mean what word isn't really you know ali what but, do you think um, I, I kind of agree with you both. Um, I really like a lot of these lines, but I, I don't know, when I kind of got to the wishes part of each sentence, when, Mar- when Marion read it, it was really great, but like reading it, something just feels off when I get to that part uh, of each stanza. I think a lot of these lines work really well without those wishes in general. What, what are, does anybody know all of the rules for uh, a gazelle? What are the rules? Anybody I thought, know? I thought that each stanza has to have a new, um, like the meaning of each stanza kind of, it kind of turns. There's a turn surprise in the meaning of each stanza. I didn't know that the rhyme was so specific. I thought that it was... That was my understanding of the rhyme. Like each stanza ends with the repetition of a particular phrase. And then at the end of the poem, you actually, I mean, conventionally, you're also supposed to get the poet's name. Right, like that—that's where the turn is. Like the the poem sort of turns back on the speaker or on the poet. Um, That—that's my understanding of the puzzle. But it's you know it's worth a Google. My I could be dead wrong about this, but I my impression of it uh, was that there should be a repetition of sound, but to repeat the whole word and to make that word wishes. Oh, no. It is it's so just... funny that a word would bother you <laughs> well, the like, sound, to this degree. The, like, sound. the sound of the word is even nice. When the word, read that it. word just, it should say pizza. My pizza. Like, <laughs> I don't get it. If you wishes to pizza, it totally works. Can we change it to, <laughs> do you think she'd agree to that? My best pizza. I wouldn't. Hey, I'll why, tell you why that why much. Looked it up. Um, so, God bless the Academy of American Poets. <laughs> Gazel is composed of a minimum of five couplets and typically no more than 15 that are structurally, thematically, and emotionally autonomous. And that's why Kathy's reading of that third stanza works so beautifully. Each line of the poem must be of the same length. The meter is not imposed in English. The first couplet introduces a scheme made of a, a rhyme followed by a refrain. Subsequent couplets pick up the same scheme in the second line only, repeating the refrain and rhyming the second line with both lines of the first stanza. The final couplet usually includes the poet's signature, referring to the author in the first or third person, and frequently including the poet's own name or derivation of its meaning. And it goes on, but I'm the, I'll stop. That, so mm-hmm. that, we came pretty close to a definition of, of the basics of the guzzle. So mm-hmm. my yeah. wishes is a kind of yeah. signature, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, like a promise in the sky, also is perhaps a line that I would hesitate on. I, to me, the language is fresh almost everywhere besides wishes, except uh, that clean bird not yet bested by wishes. I kind of admit I like that. Mm-hmm. Well, but it's, oh, the moon 
rising above me like a promise. The moon is the promise in the sky. Because then we have the moon again with the milky penny. A milky penny, she goes on to keep defining the moon or describing the moon. But, okay, the line, the phrase that you like, each day like a caught breath, a love blow. There can never be enough gasping, swollen. It is so... It just rises. But then the moon riding above me like a promise in the sky. Like, you know, it, it, to me, it's it's not at the same level. You keep in the, jamming promise in the sky, whereas I went, like the moon rising above me like a promise. In the sky, a milky penny. Yeah, it's a bit better. Huh. Good one. Hmm. And, and listeners, if this is your first time, sometimes we go silent, and it's not because we're glaring at each other, although you might think that, or Tim's working his pen all over the poem, which is often true. That is often true. <laughs> but it's because we are all deep, deep, deep in thought. So this is your time to also look at the poem on our website pages, um, which only a few months ago we we were able to render um, in a different format so that it's more wonderful to view on your phone than it used to be, which pertains to the first poem. You can even read your PBQ on your phone and have a good experience. Um, I'm sorry, I have to jump in and say, I just keep remembering what you said about being at that crowded reading and and still having to fend off people who are pissed at us because we take so much time. Because this is the time. Like, what a joy to sit here and have this conversation with you cats about this poem, right? Like, as if it's the only thing that matters in the world right now. Yeah, we're sequestered in our our little basement jail. And this is is how we spend our time. And you're debating wishes. You're sequestering yeah. your jail. You're in a whiskey jail, debating wishes. Peeps, are we ready to vote? I think we should. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. No, I'm not. Actually, I'm totally not ready to vote on this one. But no. I, I think it's. We should do you it. You think it's time anyway? I think it's time. Regardless. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. One, two, three. Vote. And it is not in. What? Yeah. <laughs> couldn't you you couldn't tell? The word wishes fucked up these men. I don't know oh, why. Gutting. That is gutting. I don't know why, but it happens. This, but this is why we have a democratic editorial policy and sometimes gutting. it doesn't why? go the way the queens why, why? sometimes it doesn't go the way the queens would have it. Yeah, I, I I guess. Right yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's a big bad, mistake and I can't wait till she's published somewhere so big and important. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, we could, we'll, we will make sure. I'm going to tell her when we write her about the other one. I'm going to say, let us know when and where the other one goes so that we can <laughs> congratulate you. Um, so anyway, anybody have anything else that they'd like to talk about, about what's making them happy or what they're doing this week or what you're reading? Are you reading down there in North Carolina? Well, that really puts you on the spot. I'm reading a couple of things. I'm reading two books. One of them is Philip Roth's The Plot Against America, because yeah. how appropriate. Mm-hmm. And also, Santa Zuberi's The Little Prince. I never actually read that. Oh, interesting. So those two things. Right. <laughs> On one of the episodes where you were traveling, we actually did talk about that, about uh, reading the summertime being this time that's 
people seem to want to read the classics mm-hmm. during mm-hmm. that time. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Anybody else? Yeah, right now I'm um, going through a phase where I'm listening to a lot of Devo. I'm going wow. through all the old Devo. I'm watching all their old interviews, and it's making me really happy. That's cool. Yeah, so about from an the hour, of wrath hour and a half to, a day. To Devo? Yeah. <laughs> same stuff. <laughs> it's all the same stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. Cool. You should go watch. You should start off watching the uh, Satisfaction video, and then watch all their old performances from the 70s and watch their interviews. They were around in the 70s? Yeah, they started in 74. The first album came out in 78. Are we not men? Wow. Yeah, they have one song. At least uh, this is at least mostly true, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. That they have um, a song, I think I read in an interview, on every album that's in seven eighths specifically to make the listener feel uh, stressed out. <laughs> wow. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. You know what's so funny? I always think of m- my generation as like being lost. Like I am in a gap between. I'm young for baby boom, yeah. and I'm old for grunge. Generation X. X. Yeah, like I'm I'm in the early in the chart for X. You know, whatever. Different depends on which chart you read. And musically, I've always felt like I really didn't have anything. Like maybe punk, yeah. maybe you like Blondie. Well, no, but he was already going from the '70s. Yeah. I mean, like of my high school, college, there really wasn't a phenom. And people were divided, I felt. I don't know. Maybe it's all just me and my own perception. But, like, there were people that listened to the old 70s stuff. And then there were people that were listening to punk. And and grunge was just starting. Yeah. You hung out with. Right. You didn't cross. There were, like, the surf punks and then the skate punks and then the metalheads. Yeah. Country people. And they didn't cross over until the late 80s. Yeah. Anyway, I thought of Devo as of, as of, as maybe late 70s but like early 80s yeah because Whip It is 80, 81 I'm picturing the Satisfaction video Satisfaction video is 78 maybe I didn't come to know them till video yeah till video made the radio star yeah I remember all that a bunch of stuff between Satisfaction and Whip It you've got new traditionalists you've got you've got Girl You Want and all that stuff yeah see Um, I guess I don't know that and uh, Through Being Cool and all that I know Whip It. Yeah. I know Whip It. And the Devo song. And Satisfaction. Yeah. 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 Cool. Anybody else? Anything else? Marion, you're coming back another week. You got another week down there? We got another week down here, and then I'll be hanging out in Philadelphia celebrating a wedding. And then New York for a couple weeks. Hopefully, y'all come and hang out with me in the city up there. And then back to Abu Dhabi. Maybe. Ever a standing invitation for all of PBQ to come and hang out with me together. Yep. Yep, she's got great digs there. Plenty of room. Not if we all came at once, but she would figure something <laughs> out, I'm sure. I'm sure she would sort it out if we all went. Um, um, also, maybe we can do the next podcast in the studio with you. Woo-hoo! Come to think of it. Timing-wise, I think that works. I think that works. We'll discuss. No need to keep that on this podcast. So anyway, uh, please let us know how we're doing, listeners. And um, thank you so much. And keep reading. All right, I'll I'll call or text you later, Mayor. I'm totally earwarmed by Diva right now. Just so you know. I know. (laughs) I'm so happy you're in the uh, in the same time zone, and I don't have to worry about that. So keep your phone on. I'll call you.
McCoy. Call me back. All right. That all right. was lovely. Thank you, all fellas. All right. Thank Love you, Mary. Yeah. Bye. I wish you have a nice day. <laughs> best wishes. <laughs> 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 wish you the best. <laughs>